0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire Pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember... One day, sports will return, and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. What's up, everybody? This is the Prince of Queens,
1: Brian Myers, and the host of the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. And you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Ladies and gentlemen,
2: it is
3: now time!
1: Oh, no. Oh, yeah! Yeah!
2: I've finished these fights. Give
1: me a hell yeah!
2: Top Rope Nation.
1: Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today.
2: Episode 140, Top Rope Nation. Back to a standard show this week. My name's Ryan Drosty here of ComicBook.com with Kyle Ross and Justin Joint. And uh, last week we did the classic show. This week we're talking WWE. Money in the bank. Before we get to it, Justin Joint, what is new in your world? How's your week going?
4: Uh, pretty good. Cracked open a beer and ready to talk wrestling with you fine chaps.
2: Kyle Ross, I know you got some stuff to talk about. Some things you've been working on over the last week that I'd like I'd like for you to discuss because I was checking it out yesterday. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about it? And how, and how are things going over in uh, Cleveland?
3: Um, yeah, been a fun week. Got a chance to sit down with our good buddy Liam O'Rourke to start a podcast series on his uh, show, Squared Circle Gazette, and uh, talking about 1990 World Wrestling Federation, of all things.
2: Yeah. It's a very good listen. Um, I am about halfway through the show. It's about two hours and 40 minutes. I'm maybe a little over halfway through. Really Mm -hmm. good stuff. Highly recommended. You're talking about... Kyle here, who is, you know, I always say this on the show, he's like the rain man of pro wrestling. <laughs> Kyle, this guy knows more about pro wrestling than pretty much anyone I know. And to hear you deep dive a 1990 WWF alongside Liam, one of our best supporters of this show, a great podcast host in his own right. And of course, award winning author who wrote the great Brian Pillman uh, biography there a couple of years ago. It's, it's a great tandem to hear you guys do it. And uh, I think everyone should check it out. So uh, props on that. Good stuff.
3: Yeah. Part one is available right now. Uh, We cover the first three months and change. We go through WrestleMania six uh, talking about all that was right about the Hogan warrior build and more importantly, uh, what wasn't so hot and lots of other juicy details on the first uh, third of the year. First quarter, first third. Justin,
2: you got this added to your playlist. I do. I, I'm I plan on listening to it while mowing the yard this weekend. It's <laughs> exactly when I uh plan on finishing it. It's when I do most of my my podcast listening. I'm kind of happy that you know the weather's getting nicer, the grass is growing, because that means I've got a lot of time to go out and work on the yard and have an excuse to listen to podcasts. So definitely going to be checking that out. And uh, if you guys are checking us out for the first time, or maybe you're longtime listeners but you haven't done so, we would greatly appreciate a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, even better yet, a written review. Those go a long way in the uh, Apple algorithm to. Getting our show to rank a little bit higher in the wrestling category. So five stars. Leave us a written review that we can read on the air. If you leave us your Twitter username or Instagram username in the review, I can contact you. We'll send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail for your troubles of leaving that review. And of course, we're also available on Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever podcasts are found, podbeantopropenation.com. And uh, I also got to mention, we are doing a promotion over on our Patreon page. If you want a free Top Rope Nation t-shirt, here's a hell of a deal for you. Go to patreon.com slash topropenation. Sign up, five bucks a month, get to all of our bonus content, our show notes each and every week, the pre-show each and every week, and uh, that show we did last week, looking back at the 1998 edition of Raw and approximately 20 exclusive shows we've already done on Patreon plus more shows in the future you'll get access to all of that and that free t-shirt for just 5 bucks and a top rope nation sticker so we think it's worth doing. We, we haven't done this in about a year. Uh, every time we do it, we get a few signups, and most of those people that have done so in the past are still subscribers to the Patreon page. So, you know, five bucks for a shirt isn't bad, and you get all the bonus content. So check it out at patreon.com slash Nation. And lastly, of course, we are members of the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Check out bluewirepods.com uh, for all of your podcasting needs. They've got shows on the NHL. NFL, movies, sports, MLB, whatever you like, pro wrestling, of course, our buddy Chris Van Vliet is over there, our, our friends at Fight Game Media, the Two Jabronis Wrestling Podcast, lots to choose from, We we'll think you'll find something you like, bluewirepods.com. And guys, I forgot, I didn't even mention what I've been up to this week, I had a, a really good discussion the other day with Brian Myers, aka Kurt Hawkins of uh, WWE, well, formerly of WWE, was just released a few weeks ago. And and he told me on the line it was the first interview he has done since the release. And uh, I've got an article up over at comicbook.com with quotes from that interview. And there will be a second article going up on Thursday. So you're probably listening to the show on Thursday. Check it out. Uh, He talks about his goals for the future AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling the indies and of course some talk on wrestling figure collecting as well so check it out at comicbook.com and with that said I think it's time to get to in the news
1: all the latest wrestling
3: news get behind the scenes insider info at 1-900-909-9900 goes
1: cost the book 49 per minute kids get your parents permission but call right now
2: So uh this week and this weekend we have on Mother's Day WWE Money in the Bank twenty twenty coming up. Kyle, how do you feel about the build towards this pay per view? It's not good. It's <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that's probably an understatement. It's it hasn't been too exciting, but some of that is the is the circumstance we've been in. You know, these empty arena shows. But uh, yes. the storytelling the this of is it a long. Is
3: that the WWE isn't very good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the
2: storytelling has been a it's been a long term problem. We were talking about difficulties with Money in the Bank, you know, two years ago on this podcast, and. uh some things we're going to talk about about the gimmick itself we're going to preview the show here and in the news do our predictions for the matches our main segment tonight is going to be looking at some historical topics related to the money in the bank and the briefcase in particular Um, but right now as we look at this uh, justin what do you think as far as would you be more excited for this show if there was live crowds each week or do you think there's bigger problems that we should be talking about
4: uh, I, yeah, I mean, they're certainly suffering from some creative. Uh, having a, li- a live crowd would help, um, but that it certainly doesn't fix the deeper-rooted issues. Yeah.
2: Kyle, go ahead. I know you're
1: chomping yeah, at the I, bit over
2: there.
3: <laughs> no, no, I, I completely agree with what Justin just said. You know, with, with the bad build, look, we know there's extenuating circumstances going on right now, but let's go back, you know, 12 months or so the last year of WWE, there have been good builds for a lot of these pay-per-views. And that was before the pandemic. Um, certainly having a live crowd weekly, or I should say bi-weekly, uh, for television would help those shows be a little bit more interesting, but I don't think they necessarily would cure all that ails the build. It's just been pretty pedestrian, um, uh, not very interesting. I have issues with Money in the Bank, which I've stated before. I'll reiterate them here on this show today. And this is the second straight year I'm going to ask this question as we're coming out of WrestleMania. What are the money matches on the horizon for this promotion? <laughs> Ryan Drosty? give me some, look into your crystal ball and give me some sort of prediction what you think should happen at SummerSlam 2020. What's the main event of that? Show? Oh, God. Could be the main event of that show. Well,
2: I mean, McIntyre's still going to be the champ, obviously. Uh, not to give away our picks for the next segment.
3: There's nothing. There's not that logical big match to look forward to. I mean, to Roman Reigns, who was persona non grata in a rather uh, infamous way on television this week. OK, maybe you're holding that, you know, for him to come back and challenge for. Uh, One of the championships, we don't even know what's going on with the brand split because of this pandemic. You know, that's something usually we'd be talking about this time of year. We're not. But there just isn't that big money match on the horizon. And I said the same damn thing last year. And wouldn't you know it, we suffered through really one of the crappiest 12 months of WWE television in history. Mm. And I hope we don't do it again. Mm -hmm. You
4: know, and I mean, part of the problem is, like, all the big stars, we've either— seen the match before or else they're just a victim of like 50 50 booking where nobody really feels special and i I don't know what you can do to even make you know a a fresh matchup feel special i guess you know i get the big problem is uh they're having a real big problem building stars they're doing a good job with drew mcintyre right now but if history tells us anything is they could screw it up at any moment i mean like You talk about the big SummerSlam matches is, you know, it's like I'm trying to think of the up and coming stars that maybe could break out in the coming months, like maybe an Alistair Black. Um, But, yeah, it it, it would it would take some sort of miracle for for them to have something exciting by SummerSlam.
3: And McIntyre, we saw this with Rollins last year. He ultimately is going to suffer if he has no fresh opponents. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about this in a little bit. You know, after he presumably beat Seth Rollins, who's next? It's a quote. Oh, no, don't tell me it's The 1990s. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> no more Bill Goldberg, please. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, you make a good point. They don't have that logical direction. You know, you can, you can say stuff about, you know, in the past where it was just like too predictable or something like that. But sometimes being predictable is not always a bad thing. You know, if it makes sense and the fans can see it coming, it it can still be done well. I mean, the obvious isn't if it's obvious, that doesn't mean it's going to be bad. And uh, right now, there's
3: nothing that's obvious and it's very bad. So, and, yeah. yeah. And Justin nail, hit the nail on the head with the discussion of building stars. I just don't think they know how to do it anymore. And it's sad. Yeah. You I know, mean, they Sean don't have the, Ross, go ahead. sir. Sean Ross Sapp had this really good tweet. Uh, during Raw on Monday, where he's like, it seems that the WWE has forgotten or just doesn't want to, like, remember, you know, like, willful ignorance of the concept of you build two people up by winning and you have a match.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> you know, it just feels like that concept is gone. Yeah. <laughs> and but I don't it, understand why. It, it,
4: it seems like uh, they've gotten kind of shy of really pulling the trigger and going all in on somebody like we've talked before. It's like, why didn't Braun, you know, get the push, you know, around 2018, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, due to the circumstances, they give him the world title now, but we've already seen him kind of lose a bunch of times already. And you could almost say the same thing with Drew McIntyre's when he came up uh, from NXT, you know, I can understand you want to build him up for a while, but he also floundered for, I mean, at least six months. I mean, they kind of do that over and over again with these guys. You know, there was the buzz. And I'm not saying this guy's a main event or either one of them, for that matter. But like Alistair Black and Ricochet, when they both came up, there was a lot of buzz. Um, but they just, I don't know. They they just kind of prefer to take their time and, I don't know, drain. No one
3: feels special.
4: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it. That's exactly it.
2: So what do we think about the change in format for the Money in the Bank matches? So we have, uh, you know, obviously what's going on in Stanford, the race to the top of the building where they've got the ring up top. Apparently this match is already filmed. Uh, So that will not be airing live. (laughs) But what do we think about it? I, I will admit I am curious and I am a little excited to watch the Money in the Bank matches. I'm not so excited for the rest of the show. But I'm I'm curious how this will play out. Justin, are you are you excited at all to watch this new format?
4: I, I honestly am. Um, they're two for three on cinematic matches. Uh, they had a lot of time and you know a little bit of experience now with with the three they've done to hopefully figure out what works and what doesn't. Hopefully they don't take it too serious, and and, and I I can't assume they will because you know it's both men and women at the same time, and it's you know, working their way up a building. uh, There's a, there's a chance this could be a really fun match.
2: Yeah, no, I I am. I am very curious (laughs) as to how it's going to play out. I am excited to watch those Kyle.
3: And there were some rumors um, that it could be a deal where they keep going back to it throughout the show where they're not going to broadcast it as one full match per se. Like it could be like this ongoing thing throughout the pay-per-view. I don't know if that's – I know it's not confirmed, but I know there have been some talk that that's how it's going to be broadcast where, you know, the scrum starts on the bottom. We see some action. Then we go to another match, and then we check back in at the center. Oh, this is what's going on. There was some discussion, I guess, that that might be how it's shown. Mm Um
4: if we don't get like a moment with somebody crawling through an air duck, like Bruce Willis and
3: diehard, I mean, that, that's <laughs> going to be a big loss. <laughs> yeah. As someone who does not like money in the bank as a gimmick, as much as most people, this does intrigue me some. And of course, given the situation with the no live crowd, I think it's smart to do it this time. So I will tip the one thing I will tip my cap to, uh, for WWE in this pay-per-view cycle is trying this outside-the-box money-in-the-bank gimmick. Other than that, not a lot of reasons to be excited about what's going down Sunday.
2: Yeah. No, I think, I think this is definitely a scenario where they have – you know, went in head first with a good idea, given that the predicament. For the most part, I they haven't done well <laughs> as far as these no crowd shows. And you know, they have done the cinematic matches, it worked out well and that like uh Justin said, this is a similar circumstance. So hopefully hopefully they excel. I think it would make sense to to uh, kind of go back and forth as they make their way up the the several floors of the Titan Tower in Stamford, and, and we'll see how that plays out. Um, was there anything else on In the News that we wanted to note before we uh, make our match predictions? I did see there was this story. Anything. There was this story about Triple H selling a bunch of stock that broke today, like a million dollars worth of stock, and people were kind of uh, scratching their heads as to why he would do that because the stock price you know, is way down right now. Uh, and I think some people are trying to connect the dots, like you know, maybe WWE actually is going to sell out in the in the months ahead and sell the company. There's been rumors on that, um, but you know, I'm not enough of a stock expert or legal expert to understand why he would do it. I did see some replies on Twitter to the initial post that I saw, where some people said, "Oh, this really isn't that an uncommon thing to do," but uh, there's certainly some people that
3: were looking into that
2: and wondering why he did so.
3: Well, Kevin Dunn, I guess, does it. Every year, but yeah. triple H usually doesn't, mm-hmm. so I think that's what you know brought the eyes emoji for some on twitter.com. yeah i don't know what to read into it i mean i'm not going to recklessly recklessly speculate on something like that.
2: It was worth noting though it was it was it know, was unusual and it was in, in the news was, today yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing i mean raws Smackdown's ratings are just atrocious right now I mean we're down <laughs> to uh like one and a half million approximately somewhere around there. Man, not doing a good job of capitalizing on uh, people being at home with nothing to do. I'll tell you that. So, uh, I mean, we had the discussion about uh, whether they'd be better off just going entirely on break, you know, like a New Japan Pro Wrestling has done or or a MLW or a Ring of Honor. But they wanted to keep doing the shows. And uh, when we look at uh, the eyeballs on the product, it's hard to make the case that that was the right decision.
3: Look, the lack of live crowd obviously hurts. Something else that hurts is doing five hours of programming in that environment. Yeah. That's a lot. And I think that puts you behind the eight ball. Still, though, the programs have just been really a chore to get through. Yeah. They're just not exciting at all. And I. Do I have all the answers? No. But I can't believe that behind closed doors they can't come up with a more creative telecast than what we're getting because if this is like their best foot forward it's kind of scary Mm -hmm. because if you took this same these same exact shows and put them in front of a live crowd they're still not good shows yeah
2: well maybe they will surprise us maybe money in the bank will come through you know we were all big fans of the boneyard match at wrestlemania so maybe the cinematic uh Things that they do at uh, Money in the Bank, the cinematic masterpiece will shine through that is the Money in the Bank matches, and we'll be raving on the show next week about what they do. I hope so, because uh, as far as the current wrestling products go, it's hard to be that excited right now. So before we get to our picks, we do need to go to a word from both of our sponsors this week, Kyle, and uh, I'm going to start off with our good friends over at Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, and you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices and even the Nathan's hot dog eating contest all open 24 hours a day all online use promo code blue wire that's one word to join today and receive your new welcome bonus bet online your online wagering solution go
3: ahead Kyle boys money in the bank may not get you excited but do you know what gets me excited? <laughs> Going to BlueChew.com. It's such a And I want to give it all. That's right, guys. If you're looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds, get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got these same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online position is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code blue wire. Right
2: oh, and I should also mention our friends over at Wrestle Rumble going into most WWE pay per views. We mentioned the, the good folks at Wrestle Rumble who do the contest occasionally for WWE pay per views, and they're back for WWE Money in the Bank and the grand prize. $1000 winner take all and their money in the bank pick 'em contest that's right $10 for an entry uh you can get three entries for 20 bucks or five entries for $30 you know they have you choose the victors of each and every match there's different props like as far as how long the matches will last what weapons will be used i'm sure we're going to get some stuff like that in the money in the bank match check them out over at wrestlerumble.com Com and stay tuned to our, our Twitter page at Top Rope Nation. We will be giving away a free entry into the Wrestle Rumble contest this weekend. Check out the details: twitter.com/slash Top Rope Nation. And with that, fellas, I think it is time to do our match by match predictions. If you enter Wrestle Rumble, maybe you can use these predictions to help you win. Maybe not. I think with our with our track record on this show, maybe you want to listen to Justin and who he thinks is going to uh, win the matches. <laughs> but we'll see here. <laughs> Let's start out right away with the with the men's Money in the Bank match. All right. So we were just talking about the signature matches of these pay per views and what's going to happen in, in Stanford. So we've got Daniel Bryan, Ray Mysterio, Alistair Black, Baron Corbin, Otis, and AJ Styles, who was recently. Uh, added to the match, replacing Apollo Cruz and uh, Kyle. You have in the show notes. What do we think? Was that always the plan for AJ to uh, replace Apollo Cruz? What do you think, Justin?
4: You'd have to assume yes, because I believe the rumors that they've already uh, recorded this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would I would say so. Although, I get on the flip side, you have also heard that they've brought him back early because the ratings stink. Because apparently it's all these new guys don't bring in the ratings, well, as, you know Triple H proved that the big stars definitely
2: rake them in. Yeah, <laughs> that was. <a laughs> uh Yeah, that that was actually my thought about AJ too. Is you know if if this match is already taped, we would think it was always the plan. What what do you think, Kyle?
3: I can see that Vince took a look at the original six quote unquote with Apollo in there and was like, we need to do something. So I get it that it has been already taped, but I could see that Vince didn't like this, uh, the participants from a star power perspective and made the which I don't know. No, I don't have the answer. Hmm. Um, I, it seemed too early to bring styles back. given the way he went out. Yeah, and not just that it's fun. Justin mentioned this at the top. A lot of the quote-unquote top guys in WWE right now just feel like burned out and could really use a vacation from television. But the problem is, who's going to fill those spots? And so we get, you know, AJ coming back. Yeah, I was buried. So what? (laughs) (laughs) What a sell. Yeah. Uh, If... AJ wins this match, which he could, then obviously it was not a late switch. At least I would be less inclined to believe it was a late switch. If he doesn't win, eh, I could again, I could see it being a deal where Vince changes mind. Yeah. Quickly. I mean, uh, that Apollo Cruz two to three week push, man, I, I feel bad for the guy. Oh, yeah. If you he have really to. was pulled. Regardless. Yeah. Because he's put in this situation where he can be in a feature match. Okay, no one believes he's gonna win and he shouldn't have won. But he's probably excited professionally and it just gets taken out from under him. Yeah. And do we believe that will be followed up on at all?
2: Mm. <laughs> I mean, it would be logical, wouldn't it? But this is WWE yes, we're talking about. <laughs>
3: and the and the fact that it, we don't think it wouldn't or it won't be, that's the problem with WWE. Yeah. Like, if you want us to care about these matches, if a performer has that opportunity taken from him, it should be something he cares about. You, you go back to last year. Mustafa Ali lost his spot in the elimination chamber to Kofi Kingston, who wound up going on to WrestleMania and having, you know, a pretty decent year for himself. Saf Ali apparently didn't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah. That stuff matters. It's not nitpicking Nancy WWE. It matters. Yeah. I'm done. (laughs)
2: so as far as picking a victor goes we've talked about this in the past this is actually the fourth wwe money in the bank pay-per-view we have previewed in the history of this podcast so it's getting up there it's hard to believe we've we've talked about it this many times but uh, going back to 2017 i guess um and i think each and every year we always have the discussion that the money in the bank gimmick the briefcase it just tends to work better with heels you know, so looking at the people that are in this match, you know, like I don't know. I'd love to see Aleister Black get a push towards the top of the card. I'm not sure I want to see him get that with the money in the bank briefcase. And I do think that AJ Styles having the briefcase would be pretty interesting. I mean, he's been away from the world title picture now for a while, uh losing the title in late 2018 for the last time. So I, th- I think it's time. I think I think AJ with the briefcase. That's my pick, Justin.
4: Well, it's weird because part of it you have to look at who the champions are now, and I suppose the potential potential champions, um, and how any of these guys line up with them. And that's the other weird thing about Money in the Bank is that being this close to WrestleMania, where you know usually with WrestleMania, the champions that are coming out of that. Are the guys you're wanting to kind of build up for a while. So why you'd want uh, you know, these money in the bank winners so close to that time, uh, is kind of odd. Obviously, you know, numerous times before the money in the bank winner has held the briefcase for an extended amount of time. But um, just a few things to point out here. Um, uh, Daniel Bryan, Baron Corbin, former Money in the Bank winners. Um I'd certainly the only one I would cross off a hundred percent is Otis.
2: <laughs> I would agree with that. Poor Otis. Entertaining as belly. hell, but I
3: mean, yeah, yeah. I'd we need agree. more fat guys in wrestling.
4: <laughs> but yeah. Ryan, I'm with you. Um, I just, none of them really make a whole lot of sense to me outside of AJ Styles. Um, Kind of, you know, with what I just said about Money in the Bank being this close to WrestleMania, you could definitely see a scenario where a babyface wins and cashes in like a Rob Van Dam or a Braun Strowman to actually have a match. Um, But it just feels too soon to, you know, for me, spoiler alert, to take the the belt off any of the current champions.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Mr. Ross, your pick. Yeah, Drew in particular, I think, is going to hold it for a while. The SmackDown side... I don't know. I'm less certain on. Uh, okay, I dig the majority of the guys in this match. It's not really all of them to some degree, but it's not exactly a list of guys who've been built up as future title contenders, with the exception, somewhat, of Aleister Black. You know, I don't think any of these, any of the other guys are, you know, on a roll in a kayfabe sense, and that hurts the match. Some of the other things. Actually, that both of you mentioned, I'm going to double back to at the end of the show for why I think this money in the bank gimmick has just become weaker and weaker as the years have progressed. Uh, So we'll get to that, though, in a little bit. Uh, As for who wins this, I was with you. Otis was this definite one guy crossed the line through. Daniel Bryan, it just feels like he's going to ride out his time kind of doing what he wants. But it may not be anything of true significance in WWE canon. Liked Rey Mysterio's promo on Raw about him trying to get that, you know, one last title chance at this stage of his career. Aleister Black doesn't fit Money in the Bank. Yeah. Again, I'm going to come back to that, and I don't, you know, how they've allowed Money in the Bank to be defined a certain way. I'd love for somebody to come in and kind of, Rewrite the rules of that. Baron Corbin would feel like a troll job, so I'm not going to rule it out. <laughs> and AJ <laughs> Styles, yeah, again, would be so interesting because he was added to the match late. And uh, Another thing you have to consider is Raw versus SmackDown, you know, they're probably not going to put both briefcases on one show. True. Again, we don't know about the brand split, where that comes in. Um, hmm. AJ Styles does kind of make sense in that he's a heel, and there is the question looming over AJ, if he doesn't win this, what exactly are you doing with him?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
3: So, which... You know, in WWE's world, that's a, well. we got to put the briefcase on him because we have to have AJ Styles on TV. And what are we going to do with him? OK, well, let's give him a briefcase. <laughs> so let's go three for three, which is scary. I'll Uh-oh. go Styles.
2: <laughs> <laughs> People, you might want to look elsewhere on your pick at Wrestle Rumble. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're all in agreement. AJ Styles. All right. We're probably going to get different answers on the on the women's match. So we've got Asuka, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans and Carmella. Um, Kyle, you noted on the show notes the last two years the women's winner has cashed in uh, that night. Uh, that night, yeah, starting with Alexa Bliss in, in twenty eighteen.
3: I apologize, I didn't finish my sentence in the notes. Yes, the, the woman, yes, they've they've all cashed in every briefcase winner. I got news for you, but yes, that <laughs> night the women's money in the bank winner yeah. has cashed to the last two shows. I don't think it's going to be three for three. I think that's a safe bet.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, when I look at these names, there's a few that I would just cross off. I guess based off of my own personal interest. and when I when I'm coming down to who I want to see win and who I think is logical, uh, I'm pretty much set on Oscar and Shayna Baszler, and I feel like again, it it just kind of. It doesn't fit Shayna Baszler (laughs) at all to me. Uh, You know, we we all thought Shayna Baszler's early days here on the main roster were going to go a little bit differently than they have, and I'm not sure the Money in the Bank briefcase is the way that you uh, regain her momentum. Now, what I could see. Is something like um Asuka winning. Asuka makes a little bit more sense to me. You know, Asuka a couple of years ago came up with a lot of steam. She's been kind of trapped in the tag team for a while now. Now she's kind of getting back to singles work. And yeah, I think for me, Asuka just just makes a lot of sense. Justin.
4: <sighs> um boy, I don't have a good feel for this one. Um, like Otis, I'm going to just go ahead and cross off Dana Brooke. (laughs) And I don't know, I guess, and I'm trying to think of like, who do I see them taking the title off of sooner in either Becky Lynch or Bailey. And I kind of lean towards Bailey a little bit, which makes me lean towards Lacey Evans. Um, but it's besides from, I mean, Aside from Dana, she's the only one who's never won a women's title, correct?
2: Yes, I believe so. Yes.
3: That would be correct. Yes. Oh, well, Shayna Baszler.
2: Well, well yeah. but she,
3: she was NXT, J. Yeah. Oh, pardon me. Yes.
4: <laughs> hey, it's the third brand.
3: Yeah, I forgot. Yes, we don't call it developmental, Johnny Gargano. <laughs> um,
4: I agree with both your takes on Asuka and Shayna, Ryan. Um, I would probably lean a little bit with Shayna there. Uh, that way you can kind of get back into that Becky Lynch feud. Um, but I'm just I'm going to stick with my gut and say Lacey Evans.
3: All right, Kyle. So if I was right about AJ Styles, which I'm I don't feel great about, then to me, Smackdown would probably get the women's money in the bank. The issue with that is, God, the Raw side just seems a lot stronger here. And, man, I think you guys are making a mistake ruling out the one who's not like most girls, <laughs> Nia Jax. I, it fits her to a T, what they do with this thing. You know, pisses the audience off. It's a heel. Uh, I There's no audience you there, right. though. <laughs> well, the viewing audience. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't fit Shayna's character, and it it seems like she doesn't need it like that the way that the WrestleMania match with Becky Lynch was booked, it seemed to leave it open to that feud continuing with Becky doing the Brett Austin finish, you know it wasn't <laughs> a decisive pin, yeah, um kind of interesting by the way, that you know they did that, and then Becky takes the month off,
2: yeah. yeah.
3: That's kind of an interesting thing. Asuka's so damn entertaining. She deserves to win.
2: We know how you don't like to use that term deserves, though, in pro wrestling. Well, no,
3: but she she <laughs> honestly, <laughs> actually, like, she, I know, I don't, but she <laughs> honestly, like, in Asuka and Baszler to me are on a totally different level from the other four women Yeah, in this match, just for my personal tastes. Uh, I don't think Carmella has a chance in hell of winning this either. Cross her out along with Dana Brooke. Hmm. When you look at the trajectories, they're clearly going to Bailey and Banks down the line on the SmackDown side. Now, that doesn't preclude someone from SmackDown having the briefcase. All right, let's take a look here. Asuka, they can always just reheat when they want. I think they're going to view it like that. Naya, they protect her. I'm with Justin. I'm going Lacey Evans. All right.
2: Well, I could definitely see that. I'm going to stick with Asuka, but I could certainly see Lacey Evans walking away.
3: Okay, quick question before we pivot away from the Money in the Bank matches. As we mentioned, last two years, the Women's Money in the Bank winner has cashed in that night. Three of the last four years, we've seen... A money in the bank winner cash in that I, Dean Ambrose did it in twenty sixteen, the only uh, time we've seen that on the men's side. Before he did it, that had never ha- or Kane did it, pardon me, in 2010. So it had only happened once before it happened three times in the last four years. Do we think there will be a same night cash in on Sunday? Nope. Absolutely not. Zero chance. Is my prediction. Zero chance, zero <laughs> chance.
2: Because I feel like the whole thing with money in the bank is like the crowd reaction. You know, like the crowd goes nuts when it happens, and to do it with no crowd is just so anticlimactic. I think they'll save it. I know they don't know when they're gonna have a crowd again, but uh I think they'll hang on to it for a while. I don't think so. Justin. Um
4: I I would not be shocked to see Lacey Evans cash in that night. Uh I think they need to I'm I'm totally agree with you that it makes a lot of sense for them to save it for the live crowd. But uh, I think the ratings say they could definitely use a little drumming up of interest in the product. And not to say that, you know, Lacey Evans cashing in the same night is going to do that. But uh, it's probably more exciting than what they have going on, especially (laughs) if, you know, you have Sasha Banks uh, uh, betray Bailey to help Lacey Evans get that win. I don't know. Something.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, still, I mean, you come out of WrestleMania, you had title changes and pff, audience doesn't care. So who knows, Kyle, what do you think?
3: No audience. And the fact they've done it two years in a row makes me think they will not do it. No. Yeah, there will be no same night cashing.
2: OK, so we've got four other matches, right? Or, uh, yeah, four other matches let's mm-hmm. uh, let's go down the card let's go to the smackdown tag team title match the four-way and we'll work our way up to the uh world title matches or yeah the universal title match and the wwe title match i should say uh so we've got the new day defending fatal four-way match miz and morrison lucha house party forgotten sons favorite of yours kyle uh <laughs> You put, <laughs> you put in the show in the show notes here, will they add a raw tag based on the Vikings Raiders being the street profits this week on Raw? Good question. Um
3: I don't think so. Uh what do you think, Kyle? They could. I mean it certainly would be logical. Yeah. As soon as it was as soon as it was announced as non-title, I just did the immediate WWE connected outs. Well, Viking Raiders are going to win the match and it's going to set up a title match Sunday, but it hasn't been announced yet. And usually they like to announce those things within 24 hours. So maybe I'm wrong, but you know, with only six matches on this show and two of them done off site, they're probably going to announce, add something and it would at least make sense. I hate the fact they did a non title match. On RAW, because the I, to be honest with you, the prospect of a Viking Raider Street Profits title match was actually kind of exciting to me. Yeah, but now that they had the, you know, there's no older trope, more tired trope in the book than, you know, challengers win a non-title match to set up a title match, then lose the title match.
2: The reason I said I don't think so is because I kind of feel like they might be actually keeping these shows a little bit shorter. Uh, based on the no crowd yeah. aspect plus with the cinematic stuff going on with the money in the bank matches who knows how much time they're gonna get but i mean if you look back to what happened with uh edge and randy orton at wrestlemania yeah, i think it's gonna be a long minutes. it's gonna be a long ordeal so i just think there's gonna be so much time in, invested in stanford they went through all you know all the difficulty of filming up there that uh i think they'll keep this show a little bit tighter but it yeah, you know, like i said it wouldn't surprise me but I'm leaning towards no. Um, as far as the SmackDown tag titles match goes, I New, New Day's going to win. I don't, I don't really see a title change happening here. Uh, what do you think about those two, uh, those two topics there, Justin?
4: Uh, can't say I really care about either one.
2: <laughs> so you're like ninety percent of the WWE audience right now. Yes. Yep.
4: Um, I will go ahead and pick New Day and. Because of the trope, if there is a Raw Tag Team match, I will go Street Profits.
2: Yeah. Okay. Kyle?
3: I'll cross Lucha House Party off my list, <laughs> yes. certainly for winning. They're not going to win. It Me thinks that they're only in there because of the Usos, um, the Usos injury, too. Like, I think they were just elevate. Like, they're like, well, we want to do a four way, and the, Us- the Usos can't do it anymore. So Lucha House Party will. Miz and Morrison having lost the titles recently, I wouldn't really make a lot of sense for them just to win it back here. So that gives us New Day and Forgotten Sons. I'm gonna say I I look at the New Day and I scratch my head, quite frankly. Here in 2020, this whole thing where like it's almost like the Kofi title reign didn't happen. They remind you on commentary, but it—it's it, almost like this, like sad afterthought. At this point, like, yeah, it happened, but then you know, Kofi Kingston just returned to his normal ways, and you know, <laughs> there's no follow-up. Yeah, <laughs> it's—it's—it's it's, it's just. I just, I'm sad because I want to see Big E get a big singles run, and I know those guys are really adamant they don't want to break up, and sometimes you need to save talent from themselves. I don't know. I could change history. I would have had Big E win Money in the Bank last year and turn on Kofi, but can't do that anymore. Forgotten Sons are the only people who could win the titles because they're new. I find it fascinating who gets called up from NXT. You have the Forgotten Sons and Austin Theory, who I don't see as difference makers at all. And yet you have people like Matt Riddle and Keith Lee Kind of just. I know they have championships, but they're difference makers to me, and they should be on the shows that more people watch. I know that NXT look, they need stars too, but um, I just found that odd. Who gets called up and who doesn't? And to be truthful, I mean the Forgotten Sons. What were they doing on NXT anyway? So it probably made sense that they got called up. <sighs> I'm going to call for a title change. Give me the Forgotten Sons. Oh, my. See, I knew uh, they were your favorites. I knew it.
2: <laughs> oh, all right. Shocked me there, Kyle. Women's title. Now, are you going to call for the title change here? Uh, I'm waiting for the uh, the voice to come through here on this one, Kyle. We have Bailey against who?
1: Tamita.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Bailey retaining three for three moving on.
3: (laughs) Anything else to say about this one, guys? Lacey Evans.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Cash in.
3: if there was ever a time to run Tamina as a baby face, it would definitely be when you have no live audience.
2: (laughs) Right. That's for sure. (laughs)
3: Look, God bless her. You know, I saw her appearance on the bump earlier today before we recorded And the Usos had nice things to say about her. I know she's popular with the other women in the locker room, but come on, man. Come on, Tamina. Let me just say as a
2: side note, I I very much enjoy that show, The Bump, normally when they're in their usual sets before the social distancing and stuff. It's a fun show. I've never heard you. uh,
3: I never knew you tuned into that show, Kyle catch clips you know it's funny if they wanted to get Tamina over in the slightest bit as a baby face they would play clips from that show on Smackdown Friday yes by the way it speaks volumes to me let's talk Bailey's gonna win for the record but it speaks volumes that there's just the one women's title match on this show and it still just feels like not a world title match yeah yeah You know, I I just, Bailey just, God bless her. She probably needed to turn heel. She's not doing a bad job, but she just comes across as such a secondary world champion. Like, she's only world champion because there's two.
2: Mm -hmm. All right. So, we got the two world title matches on the men's side now. So, you got Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins. Uh, No chance Drew McIntyre loses the title here. I'm assuming this is going to be a three-for-three Point of view for us here. Justin? Correct.
3: Yes. Kyle? Most predictable WWE title <laughs> match possible for yes. this show. Let's go back to our WrestleMania preview. So we're talking about Kevin O and Seth Rollins. I broke it down and said, you know, I could really see, because there's going to be two babyface world champions coming out of the show, I said, I could really see them putting Rollins in one of the contendership roles post mania. But at the same time, Owens really probably needed to win that match. And he did, but there was like that conundrum. So what do they do? Well, they have Rollins lose and they put him in
4: this spot. (laughs) Anyway,
3: it's just, it's Seth Rollins is another guy. He could use a break from television. Quite frankly, what do you do with him once he loses here? I mean, this Monday night Messiah crap. And I do stress the word crap. Yeah. I, I would love he, to
2: see him get a break. I think more guys should go on breaks once in a while to, to freshen up.
3: Again, there's the question, well, who's, you know, who's gonna fill in that spot? It, it's it's funny. Looking back at that disastrous hell in a cell match against the fiend, <laughs> what should have happened was is he gets squashed, you know, he's getting booed out of the joint, and he takes time off. And comes back and is mad at the fans. Not just immediately turns and is the lead heel on Raw for all those months leading up to Mania. Mm. Because, you know, you don't want your guy who was a lead heel on the show before Mania loses his big match at Mania being your number one contender coming out of Mania. There's just, like, fatigue. And it not to mention it makes no sense. But look at the situation WWE puts itself in. They had Rollins as a WWE champion, so they needed a lead heel on the show. So Seth Rollins can't take time off in the fall, when he should have. Yeah. And now you know they have him lose to Owens, but we need a heel contender. Well, it's gonna be Rollins. <laughs> this is what you. This is what happens when you don't think ahead. Mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre wins by
2: the way. Yeah. All right, Braun Strowman, Universal Championship, Bray Wyatt—not the fiend, but Bray Wyatt here. Um. Which means, of course, Braun Strowman's going to win. No question. Justin? Yeah. um, It does make me think that you could
4: see a SmackDown guy win the money in the bank and cash in after this match. uh, Considering that Braun was kind of a fill-in and uh, Bray should have never been in the title pitcher in the first place. And that way you can kind of continue this feud. But get the title out of the picture. Um, but yeah, the logical step is Braun wins here, and then you move on to the fiend.
2: Yeah. Kyle, I know you've you've had deep thoughts on this one,
3: so let's hear it. Yeah, these are two characters that, in my opinion, just don't fit in the championship scenario. Yeah. Even as the fiend. I don't think the fiend is a championship character. These are characters he and Braun that should exist outside the world title picture. Now you've got all this television to produce. Well, you know, inevitably they're going to get involved at some point. It, it's kind of the fact that they're just doing it with Wyatt and not the fiend gives them an out hmm. in that Stroman beats him and then they can always come back next month with the fiend. But that's a tough to book uh, situation. You know because you don't really want either guy to lose. Uh, I am going to go with Strowman here. Uh, Justin is on to something that a money in the bank cash in to not have either of these guys be champion is somewhat logical. I don't know why they have Bray Wyatt as a character, not as the, you know, not being the fiend anymore. Once you debuted the fiend, they needed to get rid of the Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse shit, in my opinion. Oh yeah. It, it was it's good not, at it, first, but man, it's just, It yeah. was, but what did we say? And go back and check in the archives when they first unveiled that character. We said, eh, kind of creative, but this isn't a main event level gimmick. Mm. The fiend is a main event level gimmick, I'll say. Yes. I don't think it should be the champion, but it's it's a main event level gimmick at least. You know, just this Bray Wyatt, Firefly fun. that's not a main event level gimmick. Sorry. Yeah.
2: And, hey, you can have a gimmick like that and be very, very successful and not be the champion and be in the main event scene. Just look at The Undertaker throughout most of the 1990s, right? So, I mean, yeah, that, that's what The Fiend should be. So, you thought, hey, that's money in the bank you know, maybe they'll surprise us and and it'll be better than we think. But as we said, we are looking forward to the Money in the Bank matches themselves. They could do some creative stuff there and uh, it gives you a reason to watch the show for sure. If you want more of a reason to watch the show, again, Wrestle Rumble makes it so much more interesting. Win some cold, hard cash and then give you another reason to watch, check them out. And with that, I think it's time to close the show with our topic of discussion for the week and then we will get to Kyle's deep dive of the week. So we're looking at our top four cash-ins. Now, certainly with the Money in the Bank gimmick, you know, starting back in in 2005 at WrestleMania 21, with Edge emerging as the first Money in the Bank winner, uh, we've had kind of ups and downs with the cash-ins. Some of them have been incredibly exciting. Some of them not so much. So when we look to pick our top four cash-ins of all time, and we kind of talked about this off-air, and we've got in our show notes, there's kind of three cash-ins that are no-brainers, I think, if you're picking your top four. And uh, three of these we all had on our list. And I think we'll just kind of go through those chronologically, and then we'll talk about what our fourth picks were and and how those differed and what our rationale for it was. You know, but to start off, for me, it's the first one. It's uh, it's Edge winning the Money in the Bank in uh, 2005 at WrestleMania 21, as I said, and then he cashes in in January of 2006 at a New Year's Resolution. And so I guess to throw Re- it to, to Revolution. Th- or Revol- New Year's Revolution. <laughs> so to throw it to you, Justin, I, for you, why was this one a no-brainer?
4: Because it's set the template as to how a heel should utilize this gimmick. And that is you wait until the champion is at their weakest, and then you cash it in. Uh, and he did that waiting you know, for a bloodied Cena to, to win that match. And uh, then he came out, gave the briefcase to Vince, and won the title.
2: Yeah. yeah. Cena emerging from the Elimination Chamber match uh, that night. Of course, before they had a pay-per-view called Elimination Chamber, Kyle.
3: Yeah. Justin's right. You have to have this on because it defined the gimmick, essentially. Now – the idea of a heel coming out at the opportune time has not only been run into the ground, it's been run to basically the core of the earth at this point. You know, 14 years later, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but when it happened at that New Year's, resolu- oh, now you got me saying it, that New Year's revolution, <laughs> revolution. show. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Yeah, I cannot stress how novel it was. I remember watching that show live and being like, Whoa, Edge is the champion. I'm like, that was kind of a really cool deal how they did it. And this matters to me. But the legacy of the cash in, you know, did it do something for that person? And clearly, that night made Edge a main event player. is a big difference between edge pre money, the bank cash and and post money, the bank cash. I mean, you know, he became like, you know, what was what they call him, the the opportunist
2: Mm -hmm.
3: or whatever, because he he wins it. You know, he stole it from Mr. Kennedy and then uh, cashed in again the following year. The ultimate opportunist, the ultimate opportunist. I knew there was a adjective there that I was forgetting. But yeah, edge to me is an absolute must inclusion on Mount Rushmore. Yeah.
2: And so we didn't have to wait too long for our second Money in the Bank cash-in. And uh, we're talking now about June 2006 at the ECW One Night Stand pay-per-view. June 11th, 2006. Now, this was the first time, of course, early in the Money in the Bank scenario, but it was it was the first time that the match was announced ahead of time. You know, you had Rob Van Dam saying he was going to cash in, and he was going to be taken on... John Cena at this event, and I think when you look at the two e c w one night stand shows uh two thousand and five is usually the one that people like more because when you look at the card that year there's just more as far as like e c w originals go just felt more like an authentic e c w show from the nineties I guess you could say uh you know the main event in o five you had the Dudleys and uh Tommy dreamer and the Sandman <laughs> you got rvd of course are a ecw original in 06 but john cena but man this main event was so freaking memorable and uh, when you look at the when you look at the main events between the two years for me i mean the entrance that john cena made that night and all mm-hmm. of the hate the crowd was giving him like that is one of my all-time favorite entrances in pro wrestling It it was just such a a cool atmosphere. Uh, And then even when RVD won the title that night, they announced him as the ECW champion. I don't know if you guys remember that or not after he defeated Cena. So for me, this one was a uh, this was a no brainer. I had to go with RVD, Justin.
4: Yeah, you kind of took all the words out of my mouth, (laughs) Uh, especially that that Cena entrance is an all timer. Um, Red hot crowd and they haven't used it very often but you know this is kind of the template as to how a babyface cashes in, uh, and th- I think that really even just ramped up this show is RVD uh, putting that on the line to get Cena, who was you know the most hated babyface of all time at this point, uh, just really charged the entire event.
3: Yeah, Kyle. Yeah, this basically justified them doing a second ECW show is RVD saying, I want to wrestle John Cena in that environment. Mm. You know, without that match, I, you know, it's kind of hard. <laughs> Why do you do a second reunion show? But the idea of RVD having this briefcase, you know, we knew it was on the books and him being like, hey, I want to wrestle John Cena at this show. And Justin's completely right. It set the template for how a babyface could cash in the briefcase. It is something that they have rarely, if ever, done again. This is, folks, the and this is why it made my Mount Rushmore. It is the only time in the history of the Money in the Bank briefcase that someone uh, said they were going to cash in at a future date – not just They didn't just do it spontaneous right then and there, and they actually won that match. The only other two times were Cena in 2012 at Raw 1000 and Braun at Hell in a Cell two years ago. Both those guys lost.
4: Well, Cena won.
3: Oh, the he just, won by DQ. Yeah, that's yes. Yeah, okay, that is true. He did win by DQ, but they they did not successfully cash in. They did not become world champions. That is crazy. And I'm going to talk again talk about that in a little bit when I give my uh, historical perspective on this Money in the Bank gimmick. But RVD has to be on the Money in the Bank list just because um, it's unique compared to all the other briefcase caches. It's not just your standard heel runs in and you know when it's opportune for him, and it, this was different. Mm-hmm. And it was such a great match and environment.
4: Yeah, uh, to, to continue me being an a hole. Technically, Braun didn't lose either because it was a no contest.
3: That is <laughs> a true. Hell in a cell match. Well, yeah. The, the okay, I should I should I misspoke. The the cash-ins were unsuccessful. There it is. Yes, that's why I impl- why we employ you, Justin Joint,
2: right there, That'd earning his dick. paycheck. <laughs> so I take my blue (laughs) (laughs) chew. the other one we had on there was uh Seth Rollins 2015 Wrestlemania 31 now some might say myself and Justin are biased because we're proud Iowans and our boy Seth Rollins emerged as the uh, world champion at the end of that show in California but uh no I mean come on this was iconic it was a ama- it was an amazing response from the crowd that night you know you had the Roman reigns uh, Brock Lesnar main event I don't think anyone really saw this one coming at the time I, I certainly didn't predict it ahead of the time uh, Justin how shocked were you that night
4: okay for one this is my personal favorite cash in uh, I think it is the best cash in uh, Rollins wrestled in the event and somehow. I had still completely forgotten them by the end of it, even though WWE had really booked themselves in a corner with that main event where the crowd was going to shit all over it if Reigns won. And they really didn't want Reigns to lose. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was amazing when Rollins ran out there. Uh, it, it made for, like you said, just a completely iconic moment. mm mm-hmm.
1: Chances here at all. Put Run out the club stop. Leicester, Leicester picked him out of the air. Covered by Rollins. Rollins with the title. WWE World Heavyweight Champion, Seth. Champion, Seth Rollins. He stole one. Rollins with the heist of the set in my eyes. The unthinkable has happened.
3: Kyle, this is on yours. Why? Uh, it was at WrestleMania, only time it's ever happened, and kind of what Justin just said—that they had a tough booking conundrum and they found a very novel way out of it.
4: Yeah, I I had in my notes uh, uh, next to both RVD and Rollins that having the Money in the blank, Money in the Bank, uh, unlike basically any other one, it was a blessing that they were able to use that to really elevate an event or you know in the case of Rollins save themselves from themselves
2: yeah and that ended up being just overall really really good Wrestlemania and I thought it I thought it capped off the show perfectly it was a great ending so our fourth pick now um I guess I can go first for me it's uh I gotta go with Dolph Ziggler winning the title 2013 Monday Night Raw over alberto del rio the show that night was in east rutherford new jersey and you know there was a lot of different matches like the ones you guys are going to talk about i was considering them as well but when i think of the crowd responses to the money in the bank this one this one's probably number one the crowd went absolutely nuts when ziggler cashed in that night on raw it was april 8th 2013 um Ziggler had the contract for a long time, 267 days uh, throughout the entire process. He almost lost the briefcase. He, If you guys remember, he beat Chris Jericho in a contract versus career match. Uh, he had a ladder match against John Cena at one point in time. And through all of that, he held onto the briefcase. And you know no matter what you want to say about Dolph Ziggler in 2020 during that period he was very much over with the crowd like the smart fans loved him the loud fans in the arenas week to week loved him he was selling a lot of merchandise and so and there was many different times where he was going to cash in the contract and it didn't happen and on this night, uh, Del Rio had wrestled a handicap match against Jack Swagger and Zeb Coulter. And he was hurt in the process. And all of a sudden, you got Ziggler's music come on. man! That that crowd just came unglued. It was an awesome Monday Night Raw moment.
1: What a courageous effort by Del Rio, but hurt. It in with the my- Chad. Yeah. effort
2: by Alberto Del Rio. Ziggler hits the zigzag wins with the pinfall. It it has to be on my list. So although like I said there was others I considered like Daniel Bryan like CM Punk um, to me this is this has got to make my top four. Um, you guys didn't pick this one. Do you want to yeah. I,
4: I had it as an honorable mention. Um, it was definitely one of the first ones that came to my mind. I mm-hmm. uh, well, the more I thought about it, it, it was all only because of the reaction. Um, I didn't really care all that much about Ziggler at this time. It didn't really end up meaning anything. Um, they got kind of a decent double turn out of it with Ziggler, Ziggler and Del Rio, yeah. but it just didn't really mean anything uh, in the long run.
2: So that makes that makes sense to me then, why you wouldn't have it on your list. See, I wasn't really thinking about it like that to defend my choice. I was thinking about it more in the moment and you know, in the moment, it was it was an awesome moment. I mean, but that makes yeah, sense like long said, term.
4: Yeah. Like like you said, uh, uh, this and Rollins are, are probably the two best reactions for a cash in. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Kyle, any thoughts on this one? Yeah. Jessica took the words out of my mouth in the sense that it's all about the reaction. But when I think about this and I wasn't that into Dolph Ziggler either at this time, to be quite blunt, um, I never have been to be even more blunter. Or just blunter, I suppose. But at this time, I think we may have just been underestimating, and we should give him some credit because this one does still stick out compared to others. And it was at this point seven years ago. But like the briefcase, it was to me, it was kind of like the briefcase making the guy, and people were reacting more about seeing a money in the bank cash. And we've seen this a lot in subsequent years. Carmella got a big reaction when she cashed it on Charlotte. Not as big as this. That's true. I mean, Ziggler was popular. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. But like, I think it's one of those deals and Meltzer always writes about this, where the modern WWE fan just pops because they're seeing something significant. Yeah. And, and I think that's more what it was. This was, to be fair, the last one off that I knocked off. So it would be like my number five. Yeah. It does deserve merit because the crowd reaction, people do remember it, and that's important. I just don't really think that outside of that moment it meant anything.
2: Yeah. Again,
3: that's fair. I mean, I will. I, I- did like. I did like that double turn match that Justin spoke of. They had a few months later. Uh, I think it was like a payback pay per view, where they turn and Del Rio won the title back from him, and, and they did a double turn mid match. Um, it, was it Hard Austin? No, but it was it was very good. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'll defend him a little bit more. I mean, looking at Carmella, you know, she's never really had like that fan reaction or the fan following heading into it. I'll say, I remember going to a Raw during this period. I think it was the previous fall. And I commented to the person I was at the show with that, like, Ziggler, the Ziggler shirts were around. I think it was a pink, bright pink shirt at the time. There were more Ziggler shirts that night than any other performer I saw. Like, he was selling a ton of merchandise. He was really naturally, organically over with the crowd. So that, maybe it didn't work out long term. But on a show that tonight we've bashed creative. Quite a bit. They could have done a lot more with him in in that time period, yes. and they didn't. I mean, they didn't follow up on it. But he well, he, he definitely too. yeah. That concussion was quite unfortunate that yeah. he got right after this. But he he was very very popular on the roster, and he had some real momentum. And uh, I think that's why the crowd came unglued so much. Maybe it is the gimmick a little bit, but I think they were they were just naturally really pumped to see Ziggler have that moment.
3: And Del Rio was a lousy baby. Oh yeah.
2: That's for sure. That is for sure. Justin, tell us your fourth.
4: Okay. So my fourth, I think you, a very real argument could be made that on the actual Mount Rushmore. This could be on there, but it's also very personal to me. Um, basically after WrestleMania 21, I went into my second wrestling fandom dark age, uh, where I just kind of stopped paying attention to the product. There were some things that popped up that, you know, started kind of getting me back into it, like Undertaker, Sean. I I somehow heard about that at WrestleMania 25. And I, you know, started looking at results a little bit more often after that. But it was uh, November 22nd, 2010, with Miz cashing in on Randy Orton.
1: This is the greatest awesome. thing ever. Awesome! Oh my god. It's Miz! 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 With the money to make green Look at this! Look at this! You know, this looks really familiar to me. He's doing it! He's it in on a vulnerable Orton. All the people are standing here in Orlando. Miz is gonna prey on a vulnerable champion, Mr. Money in the Bank. The RKO, RKO, RKO. K- Miz, yeah. Miz, the finale, The Miz, here's the cover, Puck of the leg. He did it, he did it, Miz is champion. Miz I cannot Miz believe it. The champion. The winner of this match. And gentlemen, the is the new WWE champion.
4: He's, is, in is He's- uh, he is almost the epitome of someone who you didn't think was a main eventer, did not deserve to be a champion, but making the absolute most of his opportunity. Uh, he took that title all the way into WrestleMania, making all sorts of TV appearances. Um, It led to, uh, for me, possibly a Mount Rushmore WrestleMania promo with the He Hate Me, uh, which was just phenomenal. Um, I, I, and you know, you also had one of the old time crowd reactions with that little girl giving the scowl when he won. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so for me, that that's my fourth on the Mount Rushmore.
2: Yeah, I have no I have no problem with that. I actually consider that as well. <laughs> in fact, when I was preparing for this show, I watched WWE has a YouTube video with all the cash-ins. I think it's like 25 minutes long. I watched that earlier today and when I was marking down the ones I would consider, and this one is up there and I actually kind of thought that you would pick this one because you know, we've talked about it on the show before how we were friends in the early 2000s and then we didn't really see each other for a number of years and when we kind of reconnected, it was like God, just after this period, I believe, right around there, Mm -hmm. and uh, you—you mentioned at the time, like how into that Miz run you were, and how that brought you back. So, when I saw it come across on the YouTube video today, I I thought, I I think Justin might pick this one. (laughs) So it makes sense.
4: And not you know, and as much as it maybe didn't feel exciting at the time or special, uh, I, I think he has since proven that he most definitely deserved that spot. If maybe not at that time. Uh, He he certainly deserves to be mentioned as a a world champion
3: now. Yeah. Okay. Kyle, what do you think of that one? Cleveland's finest, bringing Iowans together. That's what I got to (laughs) say about it. Uh, This was a good one, and I considered it too. It fit very much what they do with Money in the Bank, a heel coming in and stealing the title. (laughs) Yeah. Which doesn't mean it's bad. I just think – it it's a good example of what they typically do and so because of that that's why i actually just left off both the ziggler and miz and went with mine which does have a unique tint to it i believe and i have not been afraid as you guys know of controversially throwing randy orton on a mount rushmore but i'm gonna do it here again, we go God. <laughs> here
4: we go
2: <laughs> you've become like the biggest randy orton fan <laughs> in the last year and it is it has been a sight to behold and hey i'm not i'm not mad i love it i just love when he
3: retweets that sheriff guy <laughs> oh no <laughs> anyway okay edge defined the gimmick rvd Defined it for a babyface and is the only person to say, I'm going to cash in at this date and be successful at it. Seth Rollins, the only guy to do it at WrestleMania. Randy Orton in 2013, when he cashed on Daniel Bryan, and I know this could be very divisive. Is the only person who drew the kind of reaction a heel should draw when doing this? Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Did Miz get the correct reaction? He got a pretty big pop. Okay. I mean, he got the, there was the Miz girl, but I, like, there were, there were, like, to me, this was the epitome of a, like, no, no, you son of a bitch. Don't you cash in that money in the bank. Um. I, for,
4: for the record, I'm going to kind of shit on you here in a second, but I just want to give you props. (laughs) Uh, That was nice. This, this, this this is on my honorable, honorable mentions. It was one of my last cuts, but kind of along the same lines as Ziggler, this was more about who the title was coming off, which is what's getting the reaction.
3: Right. True. But like this, like it drew a much different reaction, whereas like the heel was getting the heel got a heel reaction. You have yes. to remember Dolph Ziggler was a heel getting a babyface reaction. Yes, correct. So like that's my thing. Like to me, like in terms of well, and, and we've seen this money in the bank morph into that, where a lot of heels get babyface reactions when they cash us in because going back to what I said, the audience is excited that they're seeing something. And in terms of a heel getting a genuine heel reaction, I don't think anyone's done it better than Randy Orton in 2013 against Daniel Bryan. The crowd, when his music hit, the crowd was just like, no, come on, man. No, (laughs) you can't (laughs) be doing this. And they did. And, you know, shame on WWE, the fact that they were not going to let Daniel Bryan win the title back from Randy Orton originally. The fans stepped in and said, no, you're putting the fucking title back on Daniel Bryan. Okay, Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, I'm okay with this. Had they had Daniel Bryan just been like whisked out of the main event picture? No, I would look at this completely differently, to be honest. But this was, although they did not intend it to be, the start of a incredible build to Daniel Bryan winning the title back at WrestleMania 30. I, I just think in terms of getting that genuine heel reaction, this is number one. I yeah, I scanned the list and maybe Seamus she- in when he cashed it on Roman, but you know, you have the Roman haters who were happy that night. Um, and then there was there was one other one that came to mind uh in terms of heel. Maybe it was the misses one, but I, I just feel this was the truest heel reaction for cash, and pardon me as I burp up my bells too hard to at ale. <laughs> did uh did you ever had? Did Kane get booed? Hmm. I mean, that son of a bitch. <laughs> that demented <laughs> David. Yeah. Yeah, um you know i like watched that like one time i can't claim i'm an expert that is my really dark age of that yeah i but i mean
4: i'm just i'm just trying to think of who the other one yeah
3: that you mentioned yeah he, he you know he might have like it like i don't think people were like jumping up and down when he did it i'll say that at yeah <laughs> uh, this, I, again I'll put this in terms of getting that heel reaction, though, at number one, regardless. Others may have done it somewhat. This was the number one heel reaction. I know some people don't like the fact that they did it at all, but um, to me, uh, again, it set the template for what wound up being to be one of the great builds. Yeah, that that, that was,
4: the Orton cashin was my my last cut, uh, you know, followed by Ziggler. Um, Then I just wanted to throw up, my other honorable mentions would have been Cena being the first guy to lose it, Uh, Raw 1000 against Punk, Uh, Punk turns heel, you know, the Rock shows up, Um, then Daniel Bryan's just kind of for personal reasons. I was just really excited to see him win that. And also, that that was a fun kind of cash in too. just kind of with all the teases with Big Show and Mark Henry. And then I, I guess I would throw in the Ambrose one there, too, just
2: because of the shield connection. Took took the words out of my mouth. That was that was the only one that hasn't been mentioned that I was gonna mention was Ambrose was I was considering that for my top four as well.
3: I had just one more. CM Punk in 09. So I didn't like his 08 one at all. Because again, it was a baby face cashing it in a heel way. If you remember. Yeah. When he did it on Edge. Uh you know, Edge had been laid out by Batista and Punk just came down and did it and that punk title that first punk title one is so forgettable uh, he would even admit that he even did so on his DVD I believe but 09 was cool because he was a baby face and cashed in on Jeff Hardy basically the same way as kind of in that heelish traditional money in the bank way but then he would go on to turn heel and he threw it on the fans He's like why are you so upset at me for doing it this time I did it the same way last year and you cheered me for it and I thought that was cool and I also really liked CM Punk uh, during that time period he'll you know, doing the um straight edge society mm-hmm. yeah i mean those are all
2: great moments and hey there's a reason for you to go back on the wwe network if you guys haven't seen some of these in a long time check them out uh maybe the current product's not exciting you but there's some good stuff to watch from the past now I, before we close yeah go ahead
1: i
4: i just had one more thing sorry and this is way late it was on my notes and i forgot to mention earlier the the problem with money in the bank i I just thought maybe one way of fixing it is you have one a year but you alternate men's and women's so you have the men's one year women's next that way you just kind of cut down with all these cash ins that's all
2: yeah and kyle you wanted you wanted to mention why you think the match just isn't what it used to be
3: yeah that's a good kind of uh segue into what i have to say here so I do not like Money in the Bank probably as much as your average WWE fan. And it's because they just – it's just sort of just done one way and, you know, it's never different year to year, generally speaking. I tried to pick four that were different compared to the lot. Um, And as successful and, quite frankly, novel as that first Edge cash-in was. WWE basically allowed that to define the money-to-make gimmick. It's it, You know, it's on there. I said it. I think all three of us said it, that a reason that it made our respective Mount Rushmore is because it did, did define the money-to-make gimmick. At the same time, though, man, does it almost always have to be a heel with an out-of-nowhere cash-in? Like, that gets really repetitive. And I gotta wonder where the creativity was. It is with this thing. Like, just... Doing that same thing every year, it just makes the performers feel less special. It's like, oh, well, here's this year's heel doing the money to make cash in. Why is he different than the previous year? Eh, not really. He isn't. It is weird that they haven't utilized
4: the babyface version where, like, if you have somebody who just feels like they're on the cusp of taking the next step, give them the title and have them, you know, cash in kind of like RVD did. Like, I can't remember the year, but. There was a year where I was like 100% behind Cody winning it, and obviously it didn't happen. That might have been Sandow's year, actually.
3: Yeah, and you know it's funny, or like with with the babyface, like Justin just said, you could do it like with the Lex Luger 1994 Royal Rumble type deal, where you have this babyface who's chasing a heel champion, and he's got, you know, he, he's been told he can't get a shot anymore at said heel champion, but money in the bank is his way of getting a shot. You know, he earns his way and, and you build it up like that. They, they don't, they haven't done that. You know, one thing I liked, believe it or not, back in the day was when Mr. Kennedy, remember him? Mm. He won it. He was the third guy to win money. make, and he claimed he was going to cash in at the next WrestleMania. He's like, I'm going to be in the main event. Next I thought that was a cool deal. Now he got hurt and they took it away from him. So, oh, well, but that was a cool deal. That mm-hmm. was at least creative. Yeah. Instead of heel runs in randomly to cash in. And, and a lot of these times, it's just, especially in the modern era, it's just, it just feels like a mid-carder winning the title. Yeah, it just seems like a cheap way, kind of. Yes, the way it's just do cheap. It. Yeah. And, and, and you wonder why, it like, you like Edge, it worked out beautifully. But a lot of these guys, they cash in that way, and it's the same thing every year. You wonder why they don't draw a champion. Well, they won the title in this cheap old way. They weren't built up well beforehand. And there you have it. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. Only three times, RVD, Cena, and Braun, has it been a non-spontaneous cash-in. And two of them failed. (laughs) That's crazy. Uh, One last point. I'm interested to hear Mm -hmm. your guys' take on this unlike the hell in a cell pay-per-view which we did a mount rushmore on previously i think have money in the bank having its own yearly branded pay-per-view does make sense yes Mm -hmm. because it's not like hell in a cell is a deal where you know shoehorning it Into October, and oh crap, we've got to put two guys in the cell. And we don't really have a feud for it, though. I think that hurts Hell in a Cell. Yeah, Money in the Bank. What you? It's a multi-person match. It it makes sense to have it be its own pay-per-view.
4: And actually, it's. I feel kind of the same way about Elimination Chamber being Mm -hmm. WrestleMania. That makes sense. It's just Hell in a Cell is the one that that's the outlier.
2: Yeah, because Hell in a Cell that should be like the ultimate blow off to a feud. It makes sense for Money in the Bank to make it its pay-per-view because, like, it's a themed thing throughout the year. It's not it's not necessitated by feud. But, yeah, like, Hell in a Cell, that should be – it should just kind of organically, naturally come out of a feud getting to that level, not just because you have
3: to do it. Yeah. Um, Justin had a beautiful set, and I'm going to spike it now. Money in the Bank suffers, <laughs> though, the same way Elimination Chamber did. When you start doing multiple matches on the same show, the importance of said match gets watered down. And when they created the separate Money the Bank pay-per-view, which was 2010, I thought that was especially problematic because you still had the two quote-unquote world titles, but any semblance of the brand split was all but extinct. Remember that they had, like, two men's Money the Bank matches, one for each title? Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't think that helped the gimmick, quite frankly. At least having the men's and women's Money in the Bank on the same show makes more sense than doing two men's. Yeah, agreed. It's still repetitive having two Money in the Bank matches, but it's more logical than doing two men's. And I just think that's why Money in the Bank kind of has suffered, that they watered it down um, with two matches on a pay-per-view. The cash-ins are almost always the same. Uh, the cashy is a lot of times not built up well. You know, we talked about that this year, the men's match. This guys haven't been built up. Yeah. Come on. So that's my take on Money in the Bank. You know, it used to be you'd come up with five or six creative things, and then the gimmick would be over. We're on year 15 of this, and we've been doing the same thing 90% of the time. And, people, and WWE wonders what its issue is. Same thing year after year. Gets mm-hmm. kind of boring. Yeah. Sorry. Don't mean to be negative.
2: <laughs> no, I'm I mean, be... we're we're objective on this show, and I think that's we a are. very objective take, and uh, I wouldn't disagree with anything you said. Money uh, like, in the bank? I, I would recommend, if you guys haven't listened to the show for very long— um, go back to 2018 and listen to our preview show because we talked about a lot of these same issues two years ago that was plaguing this match. And uh, we, I think we had a long discussion that year on if if the gimmick had played itself out or not. And I think in the months after that, we kind of came to the conclusion that the gimmick would still work if they would book it differently. And you kind of hit on that tonight, Kyle.
3: Look, to have all six guys or girls going into the match being like really over That's tough to do, okay? I mean, it should be the goal, but you're not going to have that every year, okay? But it'd be nice to have, like, more than two people be over in the same match. You know where it's – you just look at It's like, wow, look at this person who's been mired in 50-50 booking for the last six months. So I guess they're in money in the bank now. (laughs) Um, So –
4: A big problem is a lot of the winners have been uninspired. A lot of the cash-ins have been uninspired. And it just made me think just now, uh, especially going back to you asking what's the big money match that you can go to at SummerSlam. Isn't the only winner that would be inspired that could lead to an interesting match Alistair Black versus The Fiend? Or, you know, like a a non-impromptu cash-in?
2: I'd
3: be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, a not. by the way, it's really weird that Braun turned heel and then did a non-impromptu cash in. Remember, like, they beat Roman Reigns down, and then the next week he's like, yeah, I want to cash it at the next pay-per-view. <laughs> like, he did it with <laughs> Corbin and McIntyre. Like, like he had Roman Reigns beat, but, you know, he had turned, he, you know, he did his heel turn, but he didn't cash in. That that was a nonsensical deal. Um, Yeah, I mean, if. Again, I love the idea of a baby face having it and chal and saying, hey, I'm challenged at the big show. I love that idea. They yeah. don't do it enough. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I agree with you. I, like, it makes sense. You know, like you mentioned with Kennedy, if you have this opportunity, why not say, hey, I'm just going to hang on to
3: it and cash in at the biggest show of the year. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I get sense. that. Like I get that, you know. There's only so many ways you can go with a certain gimmick, right? And this thing's been around for 15 years. So I get the easy way to do it is the heel comes in and steals the title. I get
0: it. But, man, when
3: you look at the ratio, it's way too high. Yeah. And it just makes your performer seem so replaceable year after year. Oh, well, the heel of this year did it. You know, it, it worked for Edge because he was the first one to do it. But no one's had, in my opinion, that kind of subsequent success. Miz, it fit him perfectly. That was a good camp. But like and Rollins when he did it and the fact that he saved the promotion from kind of a tough booking spot made sense. But a lot of these other ones, it just feels like rinse repeat.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, Ziggler was a heel, but the crowd loved him. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well said. I I think there's a lot of issues with it that need to be fixed. And, uh, yeah, I think he kind of covered all of them. So, with that said, Kyle, I think it's time for you to take us home with the weekly Kyle Ross. I love this sport. Deep dive
3: of the week. Thank you, Ryan. And... I had promised Justin joint some 1998 WCW this week. Sue, good- <laughs> I lied.
2: <Aww. laughs> I just saw that our, our show notes had been amended a little bit here as I
3: scrolled yes. down. So this week's official deep dive is not going to be from 1998 WCW, but Justin, uh, I have sent you a link to a Bret Hart Lex Luger match from August of 1998 on Monday Nitro uh, if anyone else out there is interested in watching this, it is the August 10th, 1998 Nitro from Rapid City, South Dakota. Feel free to check that out. Um, saw some people hype it online. Justin and I have privately been discussing uh, ways to rebook 1998 WCW, and we uh, bizarrely went down the rabbit hole of a potential Bret Hart-Lex Luger 1990, or summer feud for that year. Ryan, that's why... He and I are excited about that, but I assume most people are not. So I'm going in a different direction. The actual deep dive for this week is perhaps Hulk Hogan's best promo ever. If I were to ask you guys, what is Hulk Hogan's best promo ever? What would you say? Is there something that jumps in your mind right away?
2: Mm, probably I'm thinking about like the pre-match ones from Mania 3 and 6 and I might be conflating the two in my head it's the one where he talks about like this might be three. He he talks about he's gonna slam Andre, and then like the oceans are gonna rush in, and he's gonna be oh, like, "That's sw-
3: four? Is and that he four? was, I believe, very high on cocaine. Yeah, that's the one.
2: <laughs> but that is a he super could, entertaining one.
3: <laughs> it's entertaining. I don't know if it's a good promo. Gene Okerlund is looking at him as if to say, um, "I told you to save the cocaine." <laughs> I, I that one he, always
2: sticks out in my head as being a very it is entertaining
3: the same promo. Promo where he. Explains that Donald Trump needs to forego all of his material possessions and embrace Hulkamania as his Lord and Savior. <laughs> well, there you go. Which That's why I like that one. <laughs> is one of the most stunning things ever uttered on a wrestling telecast. And think about the Gromette covers, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Justin any uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
4: Yeah, uh, is it the one where after Jarrett laid down for him and he said this is why this company's going to the
3: Oh, don't start with that. Okay. at the, of the fact beach. That was put on tele- national television. Oh. People should be imprisoned for that. Okay. I mean, that was one of the most hideous <laughs> piles of dog shit in the history of broadcasting. And again, think of the ground that covers. So, uh, as we talked about at the top of the show, I'm going to talk about what I actually think, what I think is perhaps I'll best pro ever. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned, and I I thank you for that opportunity, that I have, along with our good buddy, Liam O'Rourke, been going through the 1990 WWF timeline. And something we're going to talk about on our next episode as we look at the period of WrestleMania to SummerSlam is the Hulk Hogan earthquake view. And I was doing my due diligence uh, on that, and a promo came up. This was after, and I think a lot of people, older fans would easily remember this, when Earthquake put Hulk out of action for a couple months. He, on the Brother Love show, he did the Earthquake Splash like three times on him, and Hogan took time off. On the July 14th, 1990 episode of Superstars of Wrestling, Hulk Hogan cuts a six-minute promo where he announces that not only will he not be retiring from pro wrestling, He will be coming back and wrestling Earthquake at SummerSlam. Other than the promo in 86 where he recaps Paul Orndorff turning on him, I don't know if I can think of a better Hulk Hogan promo than this. I was stunned how good this was. Hmm. I don't don't recall this one off the top of my head. It, It was a long promo by standards of the time. Like I said, six minutes. On a syndicated television show. Those usually move pretty fast. And it was pre-tape. It was, you know, him in, in, in front, you know, just they, they just kicked it to him. It was not on the Brother Love Show, not with Mean Gene. It was just him. It, I was just blown away by this promo. And I remembered it kind of, but I was like, watch it. I was like, God, is this one of Hulk's best promos ever? I'm like, absolutely it is. So, yeah, July 14th, 1990, Superstars of Wrestling. Hulk Hogan's promo on the earthquake man, this is something you gotta watch um, promos lost art there aren't many good promos in WWE nowadays this is a good promo
2: this is around the period where uh, despite Warrior being the champion it, it was clear that Hulk Hogan was still the main event and that will be talked extensively about on part 2 of my series <laughs> Leo
3: over on Square Circle Gazette Radio
2: yeah check that out guys all right, Kyle, nice pick. And uh, listeners, check that out. And of course, the Money in the Bank Cash Ins. If you have thoughts on what you think were the best over the course of the history, of the Money in the Bank briefcase, hit us up on Twitter at Top Rope Nation, Instagram, same username. We're on Facebook. And of course, you can email us, Top Rope Nation at gmail.com. And with that said, I would like to thank the producers of the show. Our good friends over at Patreon, Derek, Gabe, Kyle, Tim, Liam, Ryan, Sean, and Greg. Appreciate your support. Guys, join them. Patreon.com slash Nation And this month until May 31st, if you sign up, we'll send you that free Top Rope Nation t-shirt in the mail. In fact, I am actually wearing the shirt right now that we will be sending you. You can check it out over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Nation is the black and gold Top Rope Nation podcast established 2016. I love this sport. The Kyle Ross quote on the shirt. Kyle, I think you're wearing the same shirt tonight too, aren't you? I am. There you go. What a
3: time to be alive. We're in <laughs> the same shirt. You will be mean- Glad
2: we're not going to the same party. That'd be embarrassing. D- didn't even plan it, but in fact, yes, this is the shirt I plan on ordering in bulk and sending out to all to all the new patrons of the show by the end of the month. So Patreon.com/topropenation. With that said, my name's Ryan Drosty here for Justin Joint and Kyle Ross, and we will catch you guys next week. Enjoy Money in the Bank. Jeez.